Welcome back to the Profit Your Knowledge podcast. Today is going to be a really fun interview because it's actually the first time I've really gotten into depth on this topic. And I think it's so, so important, especially for the people who are getting started or if you've been in business for a while and you're thinking about charging more for what you do, whether it's products, services, whatever it is, you're like, I've been doing this price point for a while and I really want to grow it, but I'm hitting a little bit of a plateau just mentally, you know, my worthiness, do I, am I really worth that much? Whatever it is. Uh, I have the person on the show today. This is Angelica Prather, and she is here to help us really dive into unapologetically charging for our greatness and making real money from doing the things that we enjoy. Cause you can do things you enjoy, but you're not actually making money from it. And this is the expert for it. She has a coaching program, a signature coaching program called charge your worth Academy. And uh, it gained her a nomination of the NAHA NAHA 2023 educator of the year. And uh, yeah, it's all about charging your worth. So that's what we're talking about today. And I'm really pumped about this. How you doing today, Angelica? I am doing well. I'm hanging out with you. So we're going to get into this juicy topic. So I'm excited. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I always like to ask what made you decide to, you know, teach things? Cause that's what you do. You teach, you educate online, helping other people become great educators as well. What made you decide to start this knowledge style business and then specifically get into the niche of pricing and that kind of stuff? Well, I got into it. I, I ran a brick and mortar business, a hair salon for a decade. And the beautiful pandemic highlights that uh, you need to like make some changes or pivots. Mm -hmm. So for myself and my husband um, had running the business, I had two small babies. And when I decided to actually step into this world of like selling my intellectual knowledge for a price tag, um, it, it highlighted in the pandemic, I was chilling while most of people in my particular industry were were financially struggling they're like they're so used to making money from their hands and their gifts mm. that they don't know how to tap into other things but they also didn't have their finances in order a lot of people make money they don't know how to sustain the money and mm. then multiply the money that's when you really step into like true freedom what's the point of starting a business if you don't know how to have true financial freedom in it and right. that could be for whatever so I hadn't been online. I didn't grow my brick and mortar business with an online presence. So mm -hmm. that made it very different for me. So I like everybody else go online and I started to answer questions. Cause I was like, what is it? Like the pandemic was a, and I know I don't say this to hurt anybody's feelings. I know <laughs> that the pandemic was very, very a sensitive place for a lot of people, but for my husband and I, we were like enjoying each other and having such a good time that it made me think and stop. And I think a lot of people went to panic instead of saying I'm creative enough. How could I diversify all of my skills? How could I diversify all of my talents? If I'm good behind the chair and I can teach my clients how to do certain things when it comes to the hair, I was always good at finances. I just took that, started answering questions. And then my husband's like, you're on to something. You're helping a lot of people. You need to turn what you know into something tangible that people can get results. Mm. And so I went on the rabbit hole of finding and there's so much nonsense out there, right? Everybody's talking. And I was like, I don't want to be like everybody else. I know that people struggle with their identity, right? When they get to a place of like, I'm going to start doing this business is usually attached to them. And everybody thinks their business is a baby and it's not. I have another thing about that. Hmm. But um, how do you actually get paid for what you currently do, whether it's a product or a service? And 
that's kind of how I got into it. But then the pricing really stood out to me um, because a lot of people struggled with just saying the number. And so I like to do something called data. What does the data say? So when I dissect someone's business through a pricing audit and I'm like, okay, so this is how much you should be charging based on the data. They're like, well, why am I charging this? That's your personal feelings. I don't know what you're doing, right? (laughs) So the data, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the, the, the data doesn't lie. So once we do that, they're like, oh my God, that's, totally undercharging oh my god that's why i don't feel like i have money oh my god can i charge that who's gonna pay me that all of those emotions come with the price tag right Mm -hmm. and so we reverse engineer it so i do it from data because if i show you the data i don't lie like i can make it up i just put it in my tool and here you go Mm -hmm. and then now i teach you how to articulate it how to own it how to stand in it how to actually value it from an intern, then you can go out and sell it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I have the privilege of also working with bigger companies, right? That they're just like, they hire pricing analysts intentionally to do this job. Mm-hmm. But small businesses or creators, entrepreneurs, they don't even know this is the thing. Mm-hmm. So I just answered the call for service providers pretty much. Right on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Charging your worth is definitely a big thing. I remember when I first did like my, so I went to a coaching institute. I was in construction work and I did like coaching. This whole realm of business was totally like foreign to me. Yes. And, but I knew I wanted to do it. And I was like, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes just to do it. <clears throat> and I actually connected with someone who I worked with on a job site and invited him to do like a strategy session with me. And in my coaching institute, they give us like a program. They give us a system and you just take people through the system. And they're like, you can charge this amount, which was like 3k for, Mm -hmm. it was basically a thousand dollars a month, 3k for three months. And, um, you could do like a discount or I think it was like 2,400 if they paid in Mm -hmm. full is what they recommend. But you know, to make that much and ask someone for that was really intimidating for me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to wing it. Cause like, I trust them, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, the guy didn't end up signing up, but I remember being on that sales call with the script and everything laid out on my bed. And I'm just like, like in paper and everything. And I'm just like heart racing and stuff and asking for that money. It was like really intimidating. But the more that I did it, the better I got at doing it. I remember when someone first signed up at that price point, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it was so cool. But yeah, it was just, I share that story because I'm curious from your experience and working with people specifically around pricing and that kind of stuff, what are some of the biggest uh, mental hurdles that you see that people have that maybe they don't really notice uh, mm-hmm. that we can kind of shed some light on when it comes to charging really what they're worth? Yeah. So before I, one of the hurdles, before I get into the hurdle, I just want to dissect charge your worth because a lot of people attach themselves to their skill set to what the business that they're trying to run. And if you start to separate your business from your identity, you gain the skill set, you do everything. The business is asking for the money. Right? So if we can bridge that gap, that's where that's where the hurdles are because everybody's attached to I'm the one doing it. So people are paying me. No, they are paying the business. Mm. You are just receiving a paycheck. Because if that was the case, you can go and do a nine to five and let someone pay you, right? But if you don't know how to negotiate in a job, then you don't know how to negotiate when it comes to your business. So I like to say that first. One of the hurdles that I find is exactly what you dealt with, right? They're inferior about that number, but it's because they are in an identity crisis and they're like, I've never 
ask for that amount of money from mm -hmm. one person. And it's because of a disbelief that they have about themselves. Now you paid for the coaching program. They gave you everything. You still, you now you did it fearfully, but you mm -hmm. still didn't believe that someone, because we are fearful of someone rejecting us saying, no, who the heck cares? One yeah. good no, you need to like, get good at the no. The no is going to lead to the yes, because anyone that says no, they don't see the value. You didn't perfect your articulation to make it a no brainer and you don't believe. Yeah. It's okay to get no. So the hurdle, the biggest one is the belief. And then the second one is they don't see it like a business. And so it's my job to paint it that it is a business. They just get a chance to talk to the CEO that's gonna deliver it. And without your service, they, what are they gonna get? So if you speak to the value more than anything else, it can be a no brainer. But if somebody's like, no, get comfortable with no. And I struggle with this. So I'm not telling you something that I haven't faced. I had to walk through all of my mental disbeliefs, like going from a hairstylist to now selling what I know, my framework that is not anybody else's framework. It's literally from, well, it is somebody else's framework. It's the Bible, right? I took a lot of my right. stuff from the Bible, to be yeah. honest. Well, nothing, yeah, everything <laughs> comes off of something else, for sure. Yeah, right? So it's not, but it's my language, it's my spin, it's what I call the money. It's mm -hmm. it's all of those different things that makes it unique and makes it interesting to get to the, get to the end result. But that's one of the biggest one is belief. They're mm -hmm. in disbelief a lot. And it's just money. It's a piece of freaking paper. Like it's, that's it. Yeah. Somebody that, wants the result. Yeah. Just digital numbers in your bank yeah, account. Right? Yeah. Right. But you're talking to another human being when you remove the word sales call, like I'm just having a conversation and I'm only coming to it's like, if you're on the call with me, my only responsibility is to show you the value, show you the ROI. I'm not convincing you. The moment I have to convince you where there's a problem. So mm that becomes the language like i have to do all of that work um to actually get them to see from the data to the belief mm -hmm. and then marry it so you can't just say a number i remember the first time like my coaching program when i came out with it and i originally it was uh forty five hundred dollars that's what it was mm -hmm. and now i can do that doing hair like i ran my salon had no problem charging $1,500 for extensions, but I was with that person for so many hours and I had to pay an assistant that math was okay. But I had to bridge into this knowledge that I have here is going to get someone results after I got someone the first result just from giving out free information and like, Oh my god, I did this. I was like, why would I not get paid? Right? Mm -hmm. Nobody values even though we say freemium, they don't value freemium, they'll overlook it. So nobody's putting skin in the game. So the disbelief is usually the biggest one. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. And like you said earlier about like an identity shift, cause like, you know, I use that story that I share with you. I've obviously gotten way more comfortable and confident and I believe in myself because I have years of, you know, data, like you even mm -hmm. said, even just of like my experience where yeah. I'm just like, I know that I can do this. If like, you're willing to play full out and we dive in and work on this together and I'm confident in my ability to coach and all that stuff now. So it's totally different, but yeah, the belief is huge because yeah, I had this identity shift of like, I'm a construction worker to going into like, I'm a coach now, which is just like, I don't know. It was just such a big polar opposite, like flipping a coin and uh, going from head to tails. And uh, yeah, it took me a while, but I mean, what helped me uh, just build more belief was doing it more really. And I remember hearing a coach, I think it was from the book. I don't remember. No, it may not have been from the prosperous coach. I love that book, but mm -hmm. 
someone said that the, your income comes down to like in a coaching business comes down to how many times per month you can say, this is what it looks like to work with me. And here's how much it is. And just the more that you get people to that point where you can say like, this is what it looks like. Here's how much it is. Uh, and you've done like the strategy session, all the other little pieces, that's where you get that yes or no, like you were talking about. And I just started doing that a lot and finding my own ways of getting people onto the strategy session mm -hmm. or the call. And, um, that's how I started to build a lot more beliefs when people were saying yes. And I was able to actually help them. So, it, you know, if you're like just starting out, it's kind of what I'm getting out for the listener. It's like, it's just reps really. That's at least to get started. But is there something else that you would add to that in terms of building belief in someone for charging what they want to charge? So one of the things that I that I have done right was to add to the belief part is to actually go and look your write all of the objections that you're afraid of. Because I think that a lot of times it's made up in our head. So we play that mm. song over and over and over. Like that I you're afraid of someone else asking yes, you or bringing or up. Or saying, saying like, what are the rejections that your potential client is going to say to me? Yeah. Write them all down, say them. They literally, when they read it and they're like, I'm afraid of those little words. Like, why is the fear? And then you got to dissect the fear part that's attached because it's belief. Mm -hmm. And then it's fake fear. Mm -hmm. Because all a person is going to do is say that's out of my price range, or I can't figure that out, or I would love to work with you, but I'm just not what, ready right? or whatever. I'm just not ready, yeah. right? And then you have to be um, one of the areas that I find to be very like hard for a lot of people when they're in that stage of belief is like like you said, the reps. Soon as they get like one or two or three or four or five, they're ready to like. Well, everybody said no, and I heard this from a coach as well he's like he looks at everything as a game he said 10 yeah. to 1 he just wants 10 no's and by the 10th one there's going to be a yes you want only people who are going to see value nobody wants to pay for i don't want to pay for anything mm -hmm. that i don't believe in right i might want to get on a free call with you not particularly now but is that my, i believe my time is extremely valuable mm -hmm. however there are people that just want to get on a call with you it's beautiful when you get to the other side and you start saying, no, I don't think you're a great fit. <laughs> like yeah. that's the secret sauce. So the, the belief part and then writing down the fears, like what are they going to say? What are all the sales objections? And so when I make like clients do that with me, they literally is like, that's it. Like, I'm really afraid of somebody saying that to me. It's like, mm -hmm. let someone call you ugly. Like, do you freaking care? No, right. you don't care. Well, so also, why is it? Yeah. Also, if you're like coming from a place of service, which is what, this is all really about, you know, I think just the, the shift of thinking it's like, I'm trying to make money versus I'm trying to help someone. Like when I made that, cause a huge turning point in my business was I was trying to make money and I was chasing that because I needed the money. Yes. And that's my energy. Mm -hmm. And I made the mental shift of, you know what? I'm tired of this. Like, really? I just want to help people. I want to help people with the things that I like and that I'm good at, you know, and get better at them by helping people. So it doesn't mean I was just offering like to work with someone for a long time for free. I was still mm -hmm. offering my coaching and stuff, but it was just that energy shift of like, I need to get money. How do I like get people onto a call? And it's the get, get, get versus how can I create an give, opportunity give, give. to yeah. give, you know, and, mm -hmm. 
invite people and that kind of stuff to help them. Like inviting people to help rather than getting someone to give you money. Mm -hmm. That little mental shift really helped me. And I just created way more opportunities and it made getting people to that point, like I said earlier, of like, here's how much it is to work with me. Here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, are you ready? Do you want to do this? Like that became a lot easier. Yes, I love that because that's that's where the shift happens, right? When you change the language, we're using the same exact thing. All it did was change the language and the thought process around it, which goes back to belief. Mm-hmm. I am serving people. There's a difference between serving and being serviced, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're thinking that the client coming in because they got on the call, they have to say, yes, we're supposed to serve them with this solution, and then that's it. But a lot of us go in and it's like, I need to serve them. I need to give them everything. No, they're coming here with a solution. And because they're going to get an ROI, they're willing to pay for it. That's mm-hmm. it. We pay for everything. I want to live in a house, right? I want a bigger house, right? Sure. They don't, the contractor doesn't have to sell me on it. I literally, they show me what the bedroom size are going to be. It happens all the time, but I find it be a block for so many people that are in the service industry. And I love that you said that because once you change your mindset around it and then the language to match it is a different belief system. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to just hear from you like, because you've worked with, you know, a lot of people on this kind of stuff. Can you tell me a story of a client that you worked with that just kind of, you know, sticks inside your mind of, a big transition that they made in terms of where they were at before working with you and then what they're able to achieve after that. Oh yeah. So I will say I have quite a few, but the one that sticks out to me was she was working two jobs. She was a a hairstylist. So she was working two jobs when she came to me and she's like, I don't, I need to work this job. Now she was super talented, amazing. Actually. I mean, hands down, like bomb, right? And had 30 (laughs) years in the industry, but came with this idea that I needed to work another job because this is not making enough money Mm. and had so much fear around it and really was very resistant of quitting the other job because the fear was so real that I won't have health insurance. I won't, you know, she didn't see herself as what I like to say a CEO, right? Mm. And this, this block was like, huge to like fight through and so through our program like yes we get to the pricing but we have to start with the layers first everybody's saying right. like, oh you're gonna come in i'm gonna raise my prices and that's it no there's so much more that we that's do. simple you would have already right. done it yeah <laughs> right <laughs> like that's that's the gold nugget but i need you to be here for sustainability because what makes me a little different i care about i don't want you to be a slave to anybody i am cultivating leaders more like disciples not recreating angelica but if you're a ceo of your life you need to think differently and i need you after this program to be great right and that's it that's my win for me right so anyway she decided to follow them and it was like resistance it was like we were pulling for her to like Mm -hmm. see herself out of this tunnel um when she finally did it We cut her days down tremendously. She was working about seven days a week. She quit. She took a leave of absence because she was so fearful. So I said, take a leave of absence. She then was working four days a week. She was servicing a quarter of clients. She ended up, I think in one week, it was probably like 10 and she had made $14,000. She had never seen that in her 30 years of like, that's it. So she was like, how is that even possible? So. I look at her today, she repositioned her branding. So she's an extension specialist. So she's set herself up to be a unique point 
in her community. And that's what I like people to do is find their sweet spot, their greatness, not someone else's, not borrowed. And then we capitalize off of that. We mm-hmm. solve a very clear problem. And so it makes you one of a kind. And so that was like killer for her. Although the money was great. The main thing that she said to me, I have time. Mm. I don't know what to do with the time. I'm so used to being so busy. Mm-hmm. I have time to work out. I have time to spend with my son. I can go on vacation. I didn't realize that I was trying to provide, but I wasn't tapping into what I was great at. The mm-hmm. fear was so real. I would rather stay at this job and she ended up quitting the second job and she's doing fantastic made her first six figures she's ever made at at multi six figures now probably and uh, we keep in touch like i root her on and just watch that um and then i'll tell you another quick one because outside of hair um an accountant i ended up working with her accounting firm and um she was making great money she already was like six figures doing great, mm-hmm. but her tax season was a nightmare. Oh, and bad. she was like, I'm drowning. My family never sees me. I don't eat. I'm like my anxiety. Like she would literally get sick from the work that she loved. Mm. And she was like, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. So she actually found me on my, my YouTube channel and watch my students that would come and interview and share their story. So she's like, listen, I don't know if you can work with me, but here, here's my business. Mm. Well, her greatest tax season, she made 34,000 in a tax season work tremendously less. I think she took a quarter of clients as well mm. and generated way more. Greatest season she's ever had while she's been in business. We changed her packaging. Um, she was able to hire another accountant and a executive assistant. So mm. she has way more time and she's like, the greatest gift I got was time. And that's mm. something that we don't get back. And now she has more time to breathe and plan on the business and strategize for where the business is going. And I think that so many people um, miss that part, right? Because we get the business and we're like, oh, we want to make money. Like your mind shift, like we want to make money, we want to make money. The money starts coming in, but it ends up controlling us rather than we controlling it. So I like to think from the value. Totally. And there's so much we can unpack in terms of that. Like <laughs> I did pr- performance and productivity. So I'm just like systems, you know, I have work hours and at the end of my workday, I'm done. I like, I time block <clears throat> my calendar. Mm-hmm. So I have like, like I put my bedtime on there and it's, it's wind down in sleep from 8 PM to 5:20 Cause I usually wake up in the morning and then go mm-hmm. to the gym. So that's like my self care little block after. And then I have my yeah. work care block from 9 AM to 2 p.m. I may go over a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. if like today I have an interview, it got pushed back a bit. So it's going to go a little bit further to like 3.30 or so. Fine. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Uh, It's my choice, you know, but after my work hours, I cut it off and just having my calendar like color coded and separating these big chunks. Then I have this mental shift of like, I'm in work time. So I'm going to focus on this. But after work time is family and friends time. And that's from like 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Because after my work, I prioritize family and friends. I want to hang out with the people I love. And like, Mm -hmm. I do the best that I can to stay away from work, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. doing that just allowed me to condense time, which ties into like Parkinson's law, which is something where it's like, you know, work expands to fill the time allotted to do it basically. Mm -hmm. So if I give myself less time to do stuff, I have to be more focused to get it done in that time. 
Yeah. And it's just like this little game that you kind of play with yourself. So anyway, I just want to touch on that. But no, I, I love that. I love it. Yeah, because time is the most important thing. It's interesting when people start to give themselves fewer hours to do their work or they get to a point where they don't need to work as much and then they have a lot more time, but they are in such like a big mental grind and shift and mindset of like, I got to work hard and make money. And then it's now you have a bunch of time and it's like, what do I do now? You know, mm -hmm. but it's being able to like think like, okay, now I actually can travel. I can spend more time with my family and friends and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's really interesting that that happens. Yeah, we, and we have it backwards because culture tells us to hustle, right? And so you, you create a hustle mentality. A nine to five makes you think that you have to do that. But when you're using your gifts and talents that God has naturally given you or your skills that you've learned or mastered in a nine to five, and then you come and create something, you have the ability to actually control where your day to day looks like. But a lot of us are so used to, it's, it's mental shifts and mental blocks that we have to break through. And that's why I think when people create their business, they end up creating another job, right? right. And essentially they don't know how to move away from time for money. Yeah. Right. And so when you can say I'm I provide value and I get an ROI from that, it looks a little different because you're not working for money. You're intentional with the time that you have because nobody's granted tomorrow. Right. So right. you can plan, but no one's granted tomorrow. So, yeah, um, I love the time blocking. I do the same thing. I have two small children. So I right. to. you got to make time <laughs> for those things like that's. Yeah. I mean, for you and me, like that's why we got into business and all this so we can have more control over our schedule and stuff like that yesterday my girlfriend was like hey james like do you want to go to yosemite for like the weekend and just go hang out because we have like a family friend and they have a house up there and it was open mm -hmm. and she was just looking into it and i was like yeah and i send an email out to my email list about this today but it was just cool that like i can do that now because yeah. back in the day i had to work in construction and I was like, I had to be there. I would have been there now, just grinding. Mm -hmm. I had to wake up at like 3 a.m., go grind, physical labor, get home at like 4 p.m., just totally pooped, and then try and fit in the stuff I cared about. Mm -hmm. And it like six days a week, you know? I gotta work overtime. It was just, it was hard, you know? And I was just like, I don't wanna do this for the rest of my life. So I started my business, and it's been years, you know, to get to the point and develop skills and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was just cool. It was just something small like that where I just had like a little sense of like proudness in myself that, mm -hmm. yeah, I can do that. Like I can take a Thursday <laughs> off and just be like, yeah, let's go to Yosemite. It's not like a crazy trip, but we're like four hours away, you know, mm -hmm. but um, it's just the fact that I'm able to kind of move and go do what I want, have flexibility with my schedule and say, no, I'm not actually going to work today. I'm going to kind of move things around so I can get it mm -hmm. done. That way I can chill. Yeah. And um it's just really a really cool feeling when you're able to do that. But I would love to ask you, cause we've been talking a lot about, um, talking a lot about pricing and the mindset and the belief that we are worth it and mm -hmm. kind of tapping into that. And I would also just like to ask you like, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about starting to create an offer that is valuable enough to charge more or maybe they already have an offer and maybe like structure it to where it it is like impossible not to see the value of that mm -hmm. new price point that they've chosen what kind of advice would you have around that so the first thing is understand your business model because a lot of us are just following a business model like we yeah. we 
put the word coach on it. And because everybody does it that way, we have to do it that way, right? So you have to create something and no one wants to do something that's out the box pretty much because if it's working for them, it's gonna work for me. So my advice for someone who like, let's say the person that already has an offer and they have been making money from this particular offer, right? And now they're like, okay, the results are in, I wanna take it up a notch. We think that we have to add more stuff to it Mm. and think that if I add more, tangible things to it, then it's going to make it more, right? It's going to make it more attractive. It's not the price that makes it more. It's the articulation of the value and the program promise of your offer to that particular person. Mm -hmm. When you master how to articulate it, right? You have to think about what's the ROI for the client, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I focus on what's, I don't care we'll do the data, right? So you want to go up 20, 30%. I first ask you, why? Why you want to do it? I just want to make more money. That's not enough because you're going to come from the money aspect. What's the ROI for the client, right? What is the transformation that the client is actually receiving for you? Receiving from utilizing your services, not you. You're delivering the service, but what is that offer going to give that person because people will pay for what's going to expedite what's going to speed what's going to save all of those different things right so usually my advice is to start with the data that's where i like to go mm-hmm. and i have a pricing formula that i i actually work with first and this usually breaks down really easy and it's usually what's your profit that you want to take what's your business expenses plus your personal expenses which is completely separate from your profit and then we all know the IRS needs same coins, so we add in taxes, or it can be ROI, right? The you know your runway money, I call it, and then that equals your service fee, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the data. But then what's the ROI for the client? So I'll give you a good example. If I was attracting, um, let's say, corporate clients, right? And I know that hiring my firm will save them. I looked at their data and I'm like, hey, you don't have a good pricing tier system. The You're not using da- dynamic pricing. This is where you're losing out money. And I can say by implementing this dynamic pricing structure that I put in place for you, I know that I can get your return of investment at 50%. I'm going to make you 50% more money. If I told them that you're going to pay me a 10th of that 50%, would they say it's a no brainer? Yeah, they're like, I'll take it, right? Right. Not a problem, right? So that's a a big example, but it's the same exact thing. If you know, working with you, for instance, you're you're working with construction people, right? No, I don't. Okay. No, I went from construction into coaching. I didn't go too deep into my story. No, I help. I help like creators and people like that to build digital products and that kind of stuff. Now that's what I've evolved into because I built skills and all that. Beautiful. Love it. So here we have is a course, right? And I know this particular course is going to walk them through from zero to hero, right? And it's, let's just say, I'm just going to throw something random. By the time they take your course, they're going to learn a new skill set. And that skill set is maybe how to build a course, right? Mm -hmm. So they can go on the free web and figure it out, but you're going to get very specific. By the time they're done with your particular course, what makes it very unique? Do I pay $100? Do I pay $500? At the end, I just want to know exactly how to make the course, what systems I'm going to use, everything like that. I've already done the YouTube University. I haven't gotten the results. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you exactly what that's going to be. By the end of this time, you will have a course, you will know how to sell it, and we will market it. How much would I be willing to pay for it? 
Yeah, I mean, well, it depends, really. Price right? is such an interesting thing because you can charge theoretically as much as you want as long as you can get the ROI, articulate the value well enough to the person. Yeah. But everything comes to articulation. When you go in the grocery store, there's tons of bread, right? There's right. so many bread companies. They use dynamic pricing all the time and they put certain products next to each other all the time. What's going to make someone buy from you, then they're not going to buy from me. Right. What's going to make the bread company? You got price sensitive clients. You have people that's like, oh, I love this type of bread. So I'm going to get it. You you already know that that mm -hmm. happens every day of our life because pricing is strategic. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to do that in the service based business. You're either going to pay for the ROI or not. And I have mm -hmm. to be very strategic about the articulation of what the ROI, what the program promises, because mm -hmm. when I'm clear with the program promise, it retracts people. That's like that's out of my league. Right. I'm not going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not the price tag. It's just to show them what the ROI is. Mm -hmm. How many times have we spent money on like maybe cars that we don't need? We're just like, I love it. Gucci they bags. Sold us, <laughs> right. <laughs> they sold us a lifestyle. Nobody needs a Gucci bag. Right. Nobody needs it. No. Nobody needs to even work with us. Right. If they were, they can go in books, they can find the information. But what it is different about hiring someone is that they're going to give you a blueprint and they're going to walk you from zero to hero. And mm -hmm. we all like support and we all like community. That's right. it. Yeah. Right. And so it's yeah. our job to master how to articulate that. That's it. Yeah. Because people don't buy products, they buy transformation. And that's it it's being able to well the thing is because like i'm really big on like passive income and build a digital product that can sell itself and i started to do that with a productivity course which was cool because people think you have to be in a money making niche to do it which is not true yeah. i've helped i helped a fitness coach she made 1500 bucks in the first like two weeks of launching the thing and i was like and she had never done it before and i was like that was like my first client that i worked with i'm like oh god i could be like i could actually do this stuff this is cool but um like one thing i've learned from uh, like Russell Brunson is, um, he's a, definitely a big mentor of mine, really great marketer. Uh, mm -hmm. but he talks about like breaking and rebuilding false beliefs. And when you can do that in every step of your emails, of your sales page, of your offer, even by the time they find the price tag, if you've done your job, right? Like every potential false belief that this person has or objection should already be addressed by the time they get there. And what makes like passive income work, it sounds super spammy or whatever, <laughs> uh, with courses and programs is your ability to do that really. Mm -hmm. So I'm always in my copy, I'll like say something, like for example, email marketing, I'll bring that up because like create an automated email sequence, it works. I do it. I've done it. I've learned from people who do it and do, you know, and their students and everything. It works. But people have these objections when I say you should use email marketing. People think, wasn't well, social media better than email marketing? And this is stuff that I know my audience faces. So if I say that you should focus on this, I say, and by the way, if you're thinking that email marketing isn't effective or you're curious about that, here's a statistic that totally debunks it. And I'll put like a screenshot of mm -hmm. Optin Monster doing this massive study and then a quote from it. Like I do that inside one of my email sequence. Or I say, uh, when I say something that I feel is going to make the person think, is that really true? Or like any sort of objection, I address mm -hmm. the objection right there and say, now you might be thinking, dot, dot, dot. And then quotation marks, like, is that really going to work or work for me? And then you just debunk it right there. But That's even when, it. yeah, but even when like you're creating your offer, like my program, um, it's about building a program, like a course and a business mm -hmm. around that or different products that you can turn into passive income. It takes a long time. 
you know, it takes strategy and practice to build it. There's ways and I teach them how to make like mini products and then build them up over time just to get it out, start making money with it and getting people mm-hmm. in the door instead of spending much of time to build something. Yeah. Um, but one of the big things is like, it's going to take me a lot of like effort and time and I want to make money faster. And I know that when I'm talking about my product. So that's why I have a bonus that's called combos to clients. And it's a four step process that walks mm-hmm. you through how to create an offer, how to get coaching clients and then how to enroll them and then how to keep them, you know, and coach them well. And it's four lessons and that's what the flow is because the objection that people have, and I'm addressing this head on, like as I'm presenting the offer is like, you might be thinking, oh my God, like this is gonna take me forever to build this. I want it and I'm willing to put in the work, but like, I'd like to make money faster in the meantime. And that's mm-hmm. where it's like compost to clients. I have this bonus, it's gonna do that. And yeah. just like, crushing the objections by having your bonuses be strategic. That's something Mm -hmm. big that I've learned. Um, So by the time they reveal the price point, it's just like, there's no resistance whatsoever. That's it. And people pay for speed. That's what it is. So even for myself being like intentionally with price, I know it's already an objection for the the service provider. Everybody Mm. struggles with pricing. Even when they're like, I want to go from uh, 200K to 500K. They don't, even though they want to, where is like, where is it, right? I can create another thing. I can create another offer. But if I'm still at this $200,000 mark, I don't know how to jump to 500,000. And there's always a leap that you have to go to. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm helping you mentally understand what does it take to get there? And a lot of times it's right at your fingertips. It's your mind. Mm. That's it. But I love that you break down the objection. And I love that you said about email marketing, because people, I say, we don't own social media. No. So if they decided, hey, we're going to shut every platform down, what do you have? And that's the thing that I learned in my brick and mortar business, which really made me passionate about the online space, because I've seen that a lot of people, online gives you reach, but if you don't own anything, you're on borrowed rented space. Mm-hmm. You gotta go into the ownership mind, like mindset. And that's even in your pricing. Don't tell me I can't charge that. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. You're just not my client. And we'll just move on to somebody else, right? right? That's a no. And that's a no. Like <laughs> cool. I'll tell you no before you tell me no. It's like, no, you're not, you know, when I have conversations, I don't do any free consultations, period. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody like go to my website, go to like go to my YouTube consume everything that you possibly can it's going to be there right and by then and i'm doing it live for you to debunk half of your thought process when it comes to pricing Mm -hmm. if you want to get in a consultation i don't do what every other coach or consultant does Mm -hmm. i just don't because i understand that my business model is not for everybody i consider anyone who has a gift or a talent like yourself you're a specialist in that period they can consume all of your content for free 99 listening Mm -hmm. to your voice by then they went to your sales copy they did all that stuff if you still have to convince them on a or to do something that's it like Mm -hmm. but because my services are a lot more and i do work with bigger companies i have to have those conversations but just to get me to come to your establishment no like Mm -hmm. i charge for that and some people's like why do you charge why don't you get free Hey, that doesn't work for your business model. This is the business model that I'm following. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work for you, then I'm not a great fit for you. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of business models so you can teach. (laughs) One other thing I just like to touch on real quick is um, if someone's been charging a certain amount and then now they want to start raising their prices, 
what do you recommend? Do you recommend just like adjust your offer, charge what you want to charge right away? Or do you say like start charging a little bit more each time? Like how do you kind of like to approach that? Well, it depends on the business model. So because I work with different service providers, but I'll just stay for the example of like what we do, right? Like a coach or, you know, okay. someone like us. Because that's your audience, right? There are yes. more coaches in, in that space. So usually what i find in the coaching space is when they want to start charging more is because they've already gotten results at that price point and they need to either create more space where they're not trading a lot of time for dollars or maybe they're they're actively coaching their clients so they want to find ways to make passive income so they think if i charge more and they want to separate themselves from doing a lot of that grind work per mm -hmm. se because you're still trading time for dollars when you're actively coaching people. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that I like to do for clients that are in this particular space is, okay, I don't just throw a dollar sign on top of it. I don't create a new offer. I find an audience that hasn't been tapped into that needs mm -hmm. my services. And so they're like, I've been talking to these people a lot. I've been doing this, you know, these are my people, but who needs your services that you're not talking to? So I usually go and find not a new audience, but there are people who have come into your pipeline that's like, you're just not my audience, right? Yeah. So for instance, I was working with hairstylists, I had a whole accountant, I got into another accounting firm, but I know their ROI is gonna be completely different, mm. right? Because I'm working with a firm per se. Right. So my, my tier price, but I already had those price points completely different. And then my second point is that I would say go up immediately, like after give yourself, I find in the coaching space that they don't raise their prices quickly enough. They'll mm -hmm. stay at a certain because they're kind of comfortable with it. But I say you should be raising your prices every year. Mm. Facts. Every year I'm going up because I'm putting maybe more time. I've got more skill sets. I've done a little Experience, bit more investing. All, yeah. all of that. Every year you should be giving your business a new fresh coat of paint <laughs> and you should be giving, and that's your dollars, right? Because if I wanted to hire someone, I don't know where your dreams or goals are, but every year I did it as a brick and mortar business. I raised the price hmm. every year. So I have a date with my money. It's called our yummy money. I do it with my clients. I show them how to do it. Every year you need to be giving yourself a raise. Hmm period. And that's on your digital products too. Fresh coat of paint every year. Mm. Cool. We're going to start to uh, wrap it up here because yes. we've definitely gone over, but I think <laughs> it was just necessary to cover some stuff. Yes. Um, I really appreciate your time. Where can people connect with you, learn more about you and uh, dive into your world? Yes. Yeah, so you can connect with me, go to my website, which is angelicaprather.com. The last name is spelled P-R-A-T-H-E-R.com. And then my favorite platform that you can find me on is in YouTube. And that's Angelica Prather. I give pricing strategies out there, talk about dynamic pricing, anchor pricing, alt tier pricing, all of the things. Um, give you out strategies for your entrepreneurship, your business model. Like I'm there to kind of upset you, but also give you a different frame of mind and encourage you. So I have some motivational <laughs> videos that I put out too, because we need a little bit of love when we're creating stuff, right? And sure. so I do all of that. So you can just go to my YouTube channel. I'm there and I hang out on pretty much almost every platform except for Instagram. <laughs> cool. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, the only time I'm on Instagram is when my girlfriend says she sent me some funny videos at the end of the day and I'm like, okay, let's watch them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'll definitely, all the links will be down in the description for the listener. 
this was a really cool episode and uh, it was really fun just to dive in more to pricing and the offers and the mindset and the belief more importantly of just that you are really worth what you want to charge. So think of a price point that's kind of uncomfortable for you. That's kind of what I did. I remember dreaming of being able to charge like 5k and then it was like, cause I was charging like three grand. I was like, I wish I could just charge 5k and be comfortable with that. And then I started to do it, you know? And then it was like, Oh, I can charge 10k. That'd be cool. And it's just like, Oh, okay. I'm going to, you know, what can I do to make myself really believe that I am worth that? What is something I can adjust, you know, whatever gets you to really buy into that belief that you are worth it because, you know, Angelica and I will agree that you are worth it. It's just, yes. we hope that by the end of this episode, you feel that you can be worth it as well and that you are worth it already. So take what you learned here, make something happen. Action's your only superpower and we will see you in the next one.